Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Industry Show. Joining us today is Ashish Kamdar, CEO of GBS Linens. Ashish, thank you for having us and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is this is a beautiful place. We're looking at a really nice, really nice piano. Uh, is that something you play? Uh, I used to play as a as a child, uh, but uh, now um, I don't think you'd want me to play for anybody <laughs> anymore. But my two children play. Oh, nice! And so um, their teacher comes to the home once a week, and so we really want to promote music yes. uh, within our family. And you're gonna start learning again? Maybe one day. <laughs> so we'll come back and yeah. record you. <laughs> so Ashish, tell us a bit about you. Where were you born? Uh, what did you go to school for? Okay. Well, I am from a small town called Portage, Michigan, just outside of Kalamazoo. Mm -hmm. And usually when people ask me where I'm from, I put the hand up yep. to say I'm from <laughs> this part of uh, the United States here in Michigan. And uh, it was a, it's a typical um, small Midwestern town, mm -hmm. and I loved growing up there. Um, the families were you know, hardworking, good mm -hmm. values, and uh, I have a lot of fond memories of that town. Uh, my parents uh, were both professionals. They worked for a pharmaceutical company called Upjohn. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was the largest employer, yeah. and uh, so I spent uh, a lot of time uh, uh, just uh, enjoying some Midwestern town life mm -hmm. in America. So and a lot of Germans around, I'd say? There were some Germans, yeah. Um, some, yeah, definitely some Dutch in, in yeah. Holland, Michigan. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were, we were one of just, I would say, a little over 100 Indian families at that time. It's still a lot. So quite a bit of yeah. big Indian community, which I think surprises people. Yeah. And, and to this day, there's still a strong Indian community yeah. there. Well, today I'm not surprised. We are pretty much everywhere. Yeah, but that was true in the 70s as well. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. So uh, you studied in Michigan? Is that where you went to school? I did. I went to the University of Michigan for my okay. undergraduate degree as well as graduate school. Mm -hmm. So I spent about 10 years in a college town called Ann Arbor. Oh, yeah. And so a lot of great memories yeah. of, of that place as well. Beautiful place. Oh, it was yeah. great. And I took uh, the family and the children uh, back to Michigan last year for what yeah. I called our pilgrimage yeah. <laughs> to see where Daddy grew up. So nice. that was a lot of fun. One of our best family trips. Hopefully not in winter. Uh, no, it was summer. <laughs> it was July, and it's a great time of year to be there. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. So you, you've done a lot of work in the corporate side of things, and then... You know, you jumped into entrepreneurship. So, what was that transition like? Uh, it was a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I spent about twelve years in the technology industry mm -hmm. and spent a lot of time trying to just work my way up within technology yeah. companies. Um, and so, I worked with some big companies like Hewlett Packard mm -hmm. and Nortel Networks, mm -hmm. and then before GBS, Lin and Symantec. Right. So, big Fortune five hundred mm -hmm. tech companies. And then moving to GBS Linens, uh, a small company where I perceived it to be a little bit backwards, more yeah. operation-centric, yeah. more blue-collar, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that was a concern. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised at how much data we mm -hmm. used as a small business mm -hmm. and also um, how much technology we actually used within our operations. So uh, I've come to love the business and the yes. industry over time. Yeah, and you've been doing this over a decade now. I joined in 2006, so yeah, yeah about 11 years now. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, talking about, as, as we get started talking about GPS, like, what does GPS stand for? Like, 
Yeah, so <laughs> what does it stand for? That's a loaded question. Um, technically, it start, stands for Garment Beautification System. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. The business was started by my father-in-law yeah. about 33 years ago, right. uh, Pravin Modi. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, as an industrial engineer, is very systems-oriented. Right. So everything to him in life ended with system. <laughs> and so that's where the name Garment okay. Beautification System came from. But over the years, we've had to shorten, shorten it, it uh, and make it a little more palatable for right. people and for marketing purposes. So it became GBS Linens. Um, but what I think it really stands for is really um, the values that we've developed at the, co at the company over time. Um, you know, we, it's a family-run business. Mm -hmm. It's still family-run and operated. And one of the things I treasure about being in a family business is that our family values and company values are one in the same. Nice. Um, that we can be truly who we are and mm -hmm. authentic right. um, as we go from home to work and back mm -hmm. to home again. Yes. And uh, that's the part of it that I love the most. And that's what GBS means to me now. Great. Yeah. That's, that's really wonderful. So how does, you know, as we, as we start about, uh, talking about uh, GBS, who's a typical customer for you? And are you in the selling business or the renting business? I know there's some services sure. aspect to it, but talk right. to us a bit more about that. Okay. Well, we're a manufacturer and supplier of specialty table linens for the hospitality industry mm -hmm. and the special event industry. And uh, we, are, we consider ourselves to be a full-service company mm -hmm. around table linens. So we manufacture, we rent linens to customers that may not have them, mm -hmm. uh, and we also launder linens for customers right. that own their own tablecloths. Yeah. So we consider that to be full service, everything from selling to mm -hmm. renting to processing. And logistics. And logistics and yeah. delivery, right? So um, full service in that respect. Mm -hmm. um, our customers are mostly business customers. We're B2B, okay. and uh, we sell primarily to hotels and mm -hmm. resorts, party rental stores, caterers, yeah. uh, banquet facilities. So anyone who's in the business of putting on a special event. So any parties, you're there. You know, I like to think of it as uh, being in the party business. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, essentially. Right? Yeah. And, and you're the heart of it. We're the heart of it, and our customers are creative people. Right. You know, one of the things that makes, I think, this industry unique and fun is that our customers are left-brained and right-brained. Yes. Yes. So they're business people, but they also know a little bit about parties and decor. Right. And, the creative and side. Creative of side yeah. as well. Getting the creative juices flowing. Right. 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 So how much of a party person are you? Uh, well, I'd like to think that I've become more of one since I've been in this business, but uh, you'll have to ask my family and friends. <laughs> so, uh, define you in, in one sentence. I mean, you've, you've done a lot of things, you've had different backgrounds, you do a lot of things now. So, how do you define Ashish in one sentence? Uh, well, um, I, I wrote a mission statement once in life, okay. and uh, I'm going to paraphrase that mm -hmm. down a little bit for TV purposes. Sure. <laughs> um, I, I like to think of myself as being grateful for the past, mm -hmm. but still always searching for my place in the future. Nice. And I think that encapsulates who I am. Nice. That's deep and but short. So yeah, short. Really and well put. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, talking about GBS, what is what is the current scope of operations? I mean, you have eight locations, but you serve pretty much the entire country. That's right. We um, obviously started as a 
uh, very small business servicing mm -hmm. Southern California. Mm -hmm. But over the years, we've grown across the Sun Belt. So now we have eight locations mm -hmm. in five different states, uh, all the way to uh, Florida over in the Southeast. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to continue, it's very simple, our goal is to continue to build a national company, a national brand in this space. Okay. Um, we don't really have plans to expand beyond our core product line or service because okay. as um, a le our leadership team, we really believe that focus is the key, one of our keys to success. Okay. And I think a lot of small companies get in trouble by trying to do, do everything. Uh, and trying to do it all overnight. Right. And I think a lot of companies get in trouble when they do that because they start to become mediocre right. at a lot of different yes. things. And I like being a big fish in a little pond. Yeah. And that's worked well for us historically. And so we want to continue to do that, but do that across the United States. How competitive is this business? I mean, this is not something that, you know, someone would think of, I'm going to go set up a linen business. Right? Yeah. So what does the industry look like? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so yeah, this isn't something that you think about as a child <laughs> that I want to grow up and be a linen <laughs> supplier one day. You know, I actually wanted to be an astronaut when I was when I was yeah. younger. But uh, you know, you follow your your passions and, mm -hmm. and twists and turns in life, and this is where it led me. And uh, um, this has been this business is actually quite fragmented. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of small players. Uh, it's not a huge marketplace, uh, and I think a lot of people don't realize that there is a market behind the scenes when they're at a party. Yes. Um, when you're sitting at a table and there's a tablecloth there, very rarely do people think about how that tablecloth yeah. actually got to that table, yes. and there's a whole industry behind that. Yeah. Um, and it's been great because it's a fragmented industry. I think it's given us the opportunity mm -hmm. uh, to grow and really focus on this niche. Right. Yeah, and you know, personally, I, I like these businesses which are kind of hidden, right behind yeah. the, they may not seem really sexy or right. you know, uh, attractive, but that's where I think the money is. Well, I mean, I think you know when, you know, if you're a budding entrepreneur, right. I think that's the place to really look is for these what you call hidden right. marketplaces that may not be multi-billion-dollar mm -hmm. markets. Uh, but there are opportunities for small companies right. to provide that service within these hidden markets. And again, I'll go back to being a big fish in a little right. pond. Yeah. I think there's really something to that phrase. Yeah. So tell us about your operations. You know, how many employees do you have, the eight locations, and how does the logistics work? That's something I'm really interested in sure. understanding. Uh, good question, because uh, I think that's a big part of our business model is the mm -hmm. logistics. Um, so we have about size-wise roughly 250 employees, okay. uh, but that can fluctuate. Uh, in this, yeah, yeah, it's a seasonal business, and the second quarter in the spring is generally wedding season, right. so we have to ramp up at that point. And then right now we're in the middle of holiday season yes. with all the holiday events, mm -hmm. and so um, our employment can grow to almost 300 at that point when we're in our busy season. Um, in terms of logistics, um, I like to describe our business model as a hub-and-spoke model. Mm -hmm. And so we process all of our linens at our hub locations, with Anaheim being one of our mm -hmm. hub locations. So that is our primary laundry facility, our primary warehouse, mm -hmm. and where we actually manufacture and cut and sew our ready-made mm -hmm. tablecloths. Um, and then 
Supporting that hub are various distribution locations uh, that act as a distribution facility where we can service customers by providing clean linens mm -hmm. and picking up dirty linens after their event. So we've um, used that hub and spoke model really since inception. Mm -hmm. And what we've done now, um, especially since I've joined, is taken that hub and spoke model and just replicated it around the country. Mm -hmm. So now we have a hub and spoke model in the south, uh, mm -hmm. in the Texas area, mm -hmm. and uh, most recently in the southeast with Orlando being yeah. our hub. Yeah, and um, you were fortunate enough, I know we were talking a few months ago, um, you uh, escaped uh, any damage in, in Houston. Yeah, this has been a challenging year with all yeah. of the, yeah. the recent events uh, yeah. brought to us by Mother Nature. Yeah. Um, Hurricane Harvey in Houston mm -hmm. uh, impacted us, Irma. Uh, Irma in Florida, yeah. and then most recently the uh, wildfires up in Sonoma and Napa True. County. Yeah. So um, we were fortunate that um, our people and our facilities were okay. Mm -hmm. we, we were very lucky in that mm -hmm. regard, uh, but we had some customers that uh, were impacted significantly, yeah. some being down for days if not weeks. Oh. And that's especially for businesses that's lost that, you know, it, it cannot come back. I mean, yeah, it, a, a lot of events were canceled, obviously, yeah. but uh, our, our industry is resilient, and yeah. uh, when those events get canceled, normally they'll get rescheduled right. at some point, True. especially if it's a wedding, right? Hopefully, uh, hopefully that doesn't right. mean the wedding is off, right? right? Uh, and, and that's one of the great things about this country is that yeah. we're able to bounce back from yeah. things like that. Uh, what is a day like? they look like for you at GBS? Good question. Um, well, my day actually starts here at home, uh, yeah. getting the kids ready for school <laughs> and making breakfast every day. Yeah. Um, that's the pact that I've made with my wife, the right? That, the CEO. That she's, <laughs> she goes and works out in the morning, and but I'm responsible for the kids in the morning. And that's yes. great because that's my quality time with mm -hmm. the kids, and they're in a good mood actually right. at that time of day. <laughs> Before uh, going to school. Right, <laughs> right. So I love that. Uh, but then once I get to work, um, it's really um, as a mid-sized business, um, all of us on the leadership team wear many hats. Mm -hmm. So my day could start with operations, but end with meetings on finance and, mm -hmm. and uh, HR. Um, it really, I can't plan for the day. Right. And especially this year when uh, there have been some curveballs like yeah. Hurricane Harvey, yeah. you really can't plan your day. Right. Um, so that's one of the nice things I like about uh, running a mid-sized business is that it's every day is unique. Yeah, and you're never bored. Never <laughs> bored. Yeah, very rarely look at the clock. Right. So. Yeah, reflecting on you know your corporate life, uh, I used to work. We probably didn't work in the same location, but I I worked next to Semantic. Okay. And you know reflecting back on what life is. Yeah. Uh, and comparing it to the challenges that life throws at you as a as an owner of a small business. I right, very different. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's good and bad on, on both sides I'm of sure. that fence. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, as you're talking about uh, looking back and, and bringing your corporate experience uh, as a relative outsider to this business, mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you were able to bring in to the organization? You mentioned some of the changes. Right. Uh, anything in specific that uh, you know, other businesses or other entrepreneurs could drive or leverage from their previous experience in 
a corporate or a you know, sure. nine to five kind of a setting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's many things that I draw drew on and continue to draw upon mm -hmm. um, from those experiences in tech and, and at big companies. I think the, the thing that uh, um, I was able to contribute uh, very early on is um, that sense of that professionalism mm -hmm. that uh, you get from working in a corporate environment. Mm -hmm. So that could be in terms of project management, mm -hmm. that could be in terms of running a meeting and mm -hmm. facilitating meetings. Um, a lot of the people at uh, GBS don't have that big company experience, right? right? Uh, my wife's a great example of that. She works at GBS and she that's the only company she's right. ever worked for. Uh, and we have a lot of folks like that mm -hmm. that have been at the company for 15, 20, 25 years or have come from small companies mm -hmm. themselves. So that was something unique that I was able to bring is how do you work with bigger teams? How do you facilitate meetings? Mm -hmm. um, how do you work uh, with a project plan? Right. Have a scope, time, scope, and budget. Time, budget. Yeah. Uh, who are the people involved? Right. You know, those things that sound like common sense and intuitive yeah. are really not. Uh, and um, bringing that uh, uh, sort of uh, sophistication from a big company environment mm -hmm. to a small company environment I think has really helped us scale mm -hmm. and we're at that point where we're building processes that need to work across those eight right. locations so I think this is a really interesting time at GBS and mm -hmm. I hope I can contribute by bringing some of those ideas from big companies yeah that's really interesting so as you're looking through optimizing and creating efficiencies? Are you looking at expanding out into different locations? Absolutely. Um, you know, I mentioned focus yeah. and uh, uh, staying true to who you mm -hmm. are and being good at what you do. So we want to continue to focus mm -hmm. on the services around table linens, but our goal is to grow and continue to grow around the country. So absolutely, we're looking at growth through geography mm -hmm. and, and, and building our presence across the country. But we're also looking at new customer segments. Right. We're very strong in certain areas like mm -hmm. hospitality and party mm -hmm. rental, uh, but there's opportunities uh, at golf clubs and country True. clubs and mm -hmm. uh, academic institutions mm -hmm. and even corporate events and their planning departments. Right. And so uh, when I look at the uh, market opportunity, uh, it's really endless mm -hmm. uh, and we can still stay true to who we are. Right. Yeah. Have you looked at, you mentioned you're a B2B, yeah. Have you looked into the B2C segment and looking at the, you know, the pros and cons of... We have. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. um, struggle with that right. question. Uh, and we looked at the retail market mm -hmm. and we decided that logistically and from an um, uh, operations standpoint, we really weren't set up right. to meet the needs of the retail marketplace. Mm -hmm. In retail, you have to act as almost uh, like a consultant the right. service requirements yes. are much higher yes and we are really set up to service businesses mm -hmm. and so um, we looked at ourselves what are our strengths mm -hmm. and f decided that we would have to change uh, and evolve quite a bit right. to service the retail market and we didn't want to compete with our customers mm -hmm. our customers are going after the right. retail market and there would be a conflict of interest if we decided to do that. Right, the customer so, to the consumer side of it. Exactly. Right. Um, our party rental customers, for example, are working with the brides. Right. And so we didn't want to create that conflict in the marketplace. Right. So we're happy being B2B for quite some time. And that's a really important and, um, uh, yeah, I would say important perspective to bring in, to know, you know, just to even derive that focus 
but also where you don't want to go because of your strengths and how it might yeah you know yeah it's going to bring in a lot of transactions but is it, is it even worth taking that extra step and effort I, I think that you know, I mean, that's a great point you know when we did this strategic planning mm -hmm. um, exercise and analysis um, the the real value of it was um, helping us make those no decisions right you know what should we not do right and sometimes I think as an entrepreneur it's hard to say no to yes. anything yeah and I think that's the real lesson in this that you have to look inside yourself know what you're passionate about mm -hmm. know what you're good at and then being able to say no to everything else right and that that applies even more so as difficult as is it for a startup it's more important for them to say no I would say at that stage because right. again you want to focus on what you're good at um, and I don't think that changes as you you know even if you're 30 plus years in the business yeah I agree yeah yeah I agree so what motivates you you know to get up I mean I get the kids part of it yeah uh, but the rest of the day you know the challenges that a small business throws at you what keeps you going what keeps me going that's a good question um, I think part of it is just my sort of basic need mm -hmm. to be liked and accepted, you know, okay. in different groups. I mean, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what makes me tick. Mm -hmm. And even as a child and growing up, you know, I like to be a part of different groups. Mm -hmm. I like to be part of the, 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 the kids that were nerds and like to study. <laughs> and I like to be part of the jocks that like to play sports <laughs> and, and you name it. I like to be a part of different things. And I think that continues today, that uh, even in a business setting, uh, I like to be uh, with our customers, I like to be with our employees, um, I like to work with white collar folks and blue collar folks, uh, from people from different ethnicities and backgrounds. And so that's what really makes me tick, is I think the social aspect of being accepted in these different groups. It's really interesting, you know, as, as I go through my day, I take a lot of effort in making sure I speak the same language. So if I'm talking tech, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I go down and, and do my research so I can relate to them, but also have some of their respect that they're not talking to someone who has no idea. Right. You know. So how, how do you kind of approach that in you know talking to uh, your leadership team? You're not speaking the same language as you're talking to you know someone on on your logistics side right uh, I think I think that ability that you described mm -hmm. um, that uh, that you're embracing mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion comes from uh, our general immigrant experience right. uh, it's not necessarily being Indian but I right. think being an immigrant in this country right. has given us a healthy appreciation for different backgrounds mm -hmm. and also an appreciation for learning right. and education yeah. And I think if you are open-minded to different backgrounds and you're open-minded to learning your entire life, um, you're able to work with a lot of different people mm -hmm. in different settings. Right. And I think that's what makes the immigrant experience so powerful yes. is that uh, we're able to learn new things over mm -hmm. time and embrace it. Um, I, I never knew I was going to be in the linen business, <laughs> right? You don't go to school to learn how to <laughs> manufacture linens. Um, but if you are open to learning, um, you can find success in anything sure. that, that comes your way. And I think that's one of the unique things about being a second generation Indian in this right. country 
is that willingness to, to, to learn and talk to different folks. And kudos to you, you know, coming in as a complete outsider into the business and taking it multifold into a, a good amount of growth. So no, it wasn't just me. Yeah, oh, it was, uh, sure. you know, I think, uh, you know, surrounding yourself with good people. Um, right. and, and if you, if you were to ask me the question, you know, what have you really done at GBS over the last 10 years that's made an impact? I would say I would point to the team right. that we've built over the last ten years. It's been yeah, yeah it's been a nice ride. Yeah, and um, you know, talking about people, do you invest in others or other entrepreneurs? Yeah. Uh, so do I? Do I invest in other companies and other entrepreneurs? Very little. Um, you know, uh, we've ended. Our family has invested in a couple startups, mm -hmm. uh, a mobile market research company. Yeah a mobile fitness app company, uh, but generally, and I, the only reason we've invested in those companies is because the entrepreneur was someone close to us, a close friend. Um, generally speaking, you know, this, and this is just my investor advice to, to people, is that you really need a lot of resources to invest in startups. Yes. To me, it's a numbers game. Right. And for every 20 startups you invest in, maybe one maybe will one. result, maybe right. one, right? <laughs> if you're lucky, right. will result in success. So if, uh, you know, and I'm talking to the youngsters out there now, mm -hmm. um, if you have limited resources, my advice is to forget the startups, <laughs> put that money in index funds, yeah. and get back to work. True. That would be my advice. I agree. Yeah, but also, you know, what you said uh, is important to me that, you're not investing in the business, you're investing in the person and the, exactly. the relationship. Exactly. So that's important. I think people kind of miss out on that line and forget what are they investing in. You know, when I look at a business plan, mm -hmm. I flip to the back and look at the resumes. Right. I really could it? care less about the market and the product. Right. I go straight to the resumes. I look at the background of the mm -hmm. team. And if the team is solid, if they've had some success or if they have a, a, a good track record, mm -hmm. then I'm likely to be interested in, 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 right. and maybe invest. Mm -hmm. uh, because the idea that's in the business plan will probably change 10 times before it's right. said and done. True. Yeah. So, you know, talking about people, have you used a mentor uh, or a coach? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a big believer in mentorships. In fact, I could use a millennial mentor right now. <laughs> I always tell people because yeah, I was actually reading an yeah. article about that. Like it said, if you don't, if you're in your 40s and if you don't have a, a millennial or a 20 year old as your mentor, right. you're one right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking for one if there's anyone yeah. out there, uh, because I don't know much about social media yeah. and, and all the new marketing tactics. But uh, I do have a, a mentor. Um, in fact, a CEO coach. Mm -hmm. um, and I've known th this gentleman since 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, I met him at uh, the Center for Family Business at Cal State Fullerton. We're active members of yes. that organization, and I met him through that organization. And he's been helping not only myself, but my wife and also the, the family in terms of helping us better you know, run the business mm -hmm. and also facilitate uh, for family and board meetings. And so it's really created harmony within the family mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, talking about the business, being open and transparent with each other about mm -hmm. the business, uh, and really helping us create that board-like environment, which could easily yes. devolve into other things, right, <laughs> if you don't have that facilitator. True. 
So uh, I highly recommend that, uh, especially for entrepreneurs who are just starting. Um, we don't know everything, mm -hmm. and having an outside advisor right. who has your best interest in mind is invaluable. Right, and and the ability to know that we don't know everything and it's okay. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's step one, knowing yeah. that you don't know. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, switching gears, uh, your thoughts on philanthropy. I know you're big supporters of Pratham. Right. Uh, but talk to us about, you know, your thoughts around it. Uh, I'll have to credit my father-in-law, sure. Pravin Modi, um, who uh, has, uh, before his passing last mm -hmm. year, spent most of his waking yes. hours thinking about philanthropy. Yes. And I think that's continued through into our family, mm -hmm. and we hope to continue that focus on, on giving back to the community. I think it's uh, one of the most important things you can do. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation to people is not wait you know, till you're retired or your, mm -hmm. tw the, the, your twilight years, but start thinking about it today. Okay. Because I've come to the realization that your true legacy in life is going to be based upon your impact on others. Yes. And I still remember the service that we had for my father-in-law mm -hmm. last year. And I thought the stories were going to be about the company and his mm -hmm. career. We, I heard almost no mention of his career or GBS during that entire mm -hmm. ceremony. Um, it was all about the relationships that he's built with his mm -hmm. family and friends and the impact that he had on others. That was it. Yeah. And at the end, that's what people remember. Not your resume, but how you've impacted somebody. Yeah. And so whether it's one person that you convince to go to school or, mm -hmm. or an entire organization like Pratham, yeah. um, get involved. And it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. It can mm -hmm. be um, just moral support. Right. So get started now. Yeah. It's really good. I, I got lost. My, my thoughts are all, <laughs> all over the place now. Uh, you know, uh, on a similar note, any thoughts for other entrepreneurs? I mean, you had good good information along. Uh, anything specific you would want to leave other entrepreneurs with? Uh, yeah. Uh, if, if I had to kind of boil it down to one philosophy or mm -hmm. one phrase, um, everyone's heard of the phrase, success leads to happiness. Yes. I actually believe in the opposite. Mm -hmm. I think happiness leads to success. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as an entrepreneur, if you follow your heart, you follow your passion, whatever that may be, that you will find success at some point down the road. So remember that. Don't forget that uh, as you're working hard, and I know being an entrepreneur means 20-hour days right. and sacrificing things, mm -hmm. but don't forget your family. Right. Don't forget your friends. Don't forget the relationships that mm -hmm. you've built. Uh, cultivate those relationships. Mm -hmm. And make sure that you have balance in life so that you are truly happy. Right. Because that happiness is contagious. Yes. And you will then start to attract other happy people around you. And that will lead to success not only in life, but in business as well. Yeah, it's a virtuous cycle. And, and like you said, you know, the why is most important. Why are you doing this? Right. And if you put the, I guess the other reasons behind the why or ahead of the why, uh, you might get lost. So happiness leads to success. Absolutely. I'm okay. a huge believer in that. And I think there's scientific evidence to yes. prove that it's contagious. Yeah. So.
Well, on that note, Ashish, thanks a lot. Thank you for being with us. And um, yeah, we wish you continued success. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys.